Today, Liz Shannon Miller is joining Jacqueline and I on the podcast as our guest. Welcome to the show, Shannon. Or wow, <laughs> I'm reading here and it says, welcome to the show, Shannon. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> it happens. I think I'm so nervous because I believe I saw a tweet about how um, people actually email you and call you Shannon. All the time. It's the weirdest thing. Like, somebody, somebody who also use, has, like, a three-name byline, she she replied that she actually also gets called by her middle name a lot. And she, it, it's per, perhaps due to the fact that because we're putting our name, our, like, our combined first names, or I put Liz Shannon in a lot of, like, as, mm-hmm. as my first name and, like, a lot of forms and stuff just to make sure mm-hmm. it's there. And uh, she... She mentioned that so because Shannon's now at the end of it. If you go like Miller comma hyphen uh, Miller comma Liz Shannon, then like Shannon just it, like people just see Shannon last, and that's what they go with. But it is it is a mystery that still perplexes me. Oh my god, I see I see the tweet that you yeah. wrote. That's so funny. Well, it, hopefully, it, but it's it's helped. not a big deal at all. Uh, but I do I, I, I it's not a big deal at all. But it's it is one of those things where you pay you you do pay attention to it because mm-hmm. like yeah. so especially in email like details really do matter. So yes. totally, it does well, it does affect it does affect how I perceive a pitch sometimes. I'll say that. I bet oh, that makes sense. Do your I research. <laughs> all you got to do is write down the first name correctly. Right. Well, Liz. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Um, let's just give our listeners a bit of an uh, intro here. You're a Los Angeles-based writer and editor who has been talking about TV on the internet since the very beginnings of the internet. Liz is currently a senior entertainment editor at Consequence, and her work has also been published by Vulture, Variety, The Los Angeles Times, Collider, The AV Club, IGN Paste, the Verge, Thought Catalog, and more. Phew, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Very prolific. She is also a produced playwright, an occasional podcaster, and a repository of X-Files trivia. Ooh. That is bio. Liz, I'm, I know Jacqueline and I are both very excited and eager to get this conversation going today. We're going to be talking to you about a series of articles that you did with Ramin Jawadi, the composer for Westworld, uh, for the show's fourth season. Why don't we kick things off there? Can you give us a brief overview of the article series that you wrote? Yeah, yeah. I, um, you, you mentioned in our previous correspondence that you wanted me to have the uh, initial pitch handy, and yeah, it was a, it, it, it was it was a series of interviews we did last summer uh, tied 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 to Westworld. Uh, that came out of just a pitch from the representative for Robin who reached out and said, hey, uh, I had previously interviewed him uh, that spring for an article tied officially to his work on Uncharted, the movie. But he also had, he also is a very prolific uh, film and TV composer in general. So it was a fun conversation with him back then. And I guess I don't I, I do not know why exactly uh, Peter thought I would be the right, you know, we would be a good outlet for this, except for the part where uh, Consequence covers covers primarily music. Uh, I head up its film and TV coverage. And so the idea of talking to composers is often something that comes up uh, as just a result of us being a music and a film and TV publication. Uh, and yeah, so it became it was a, it was a, it felt like a natural fit, and it was an, ended up being a really exciting opportunity to kind of break down this one aspect of the show on a weekly basis. 
Yeah. Wonderful, incredible music. I only saw season one and now I'm very eager to just watch the whole thing or finish the whole series, I guess. Um, Now I'm really behind. But going back to the pitch, so you worked with his publicist and what I what caught my eye is first and foremost that it was a series of articles. I actually don't have the count, but I believe it was about five. Uh, it was eight. Like eight. it was, it, it was basically every episode we ran a post mortem following uh, the uh, following. Uh, we, after every episode, we ran the post mortem, uh, breaking down all the different ways in which uh, music was used in that episode. Wow, That's so cool! I yeah. love that. And yeah. was it was it the publicist idea? I think you said his name was Peter. Yeah, uh, um, Peter Quinn at uh, BB Gun PR uh, reached out with us. I should I should let, I should probably let him know that I'm talking about it, but uh, I'm only saying nice things, so hopefully he doesn't. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah, it was a, it was the PR rep's idea uh, to do it as a series, and cool. it's the sort of thing where uh, with we, you know if you're not working for like a a major trade or a large or just in general larger publication i think there's a hesitancy on the journalist side to pitch big swings like that like i would potentially go out personally to a pr person and say hey could i do a standalone interview but generally i'm not uh, generally the idea of someone being available for a season long series like this interview ended up, this interview series ended up being uh isn't something I would pitch natural normally uh, because I just, it, it, it didn't, it wouldn't necessarily feel like something that would be achievable. Like, you know, that's a, it was a pretty significant time commitment, you know, you know, you know, he's a very, very busy guy. He did, he was literally going from doing the music on Westworld to jumping into house of the dragon immediately afterwards. And if you remember how closely those shows ran together, you know, just how committed much of the commitment that was. Uh, and he still made time for like 20 to 30 minute interviews for eight weeks straight. Jeez. Yeah, that's a cool But but again, like that was, that was why it was like, it came out of the pitch because that, why I thought of bringing it up for this, because it came out of the pitch and it was very much because uh, I wouldn't have pitched it on my own. And it was a really exciting opportunity to know that he was available for that. Can you elaborate when you say you wouldn't have pitched it on your own? Can you elaborate more on what you mean by that? Oh, just because as, as someone who does not, as a consequence is great and we've got a, it's got a really strong reputation, I think in a lot of areas, but mm-hmm. it's not, it's not EW, it's not variety, it's not THR. It's okay. a smaller, it, it, because I, I, you know, they're, they're like, if I wrote for Entertainment Weekly, I would feel comfortable pitching this idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even even if it was a no, like I would at least know that like the the size of my outlet would at least get the email read. But like having but if, coming from a smaller place, like you get used to living with disappointment a lot of the time, and so oh, that yeah. affects that affects how you approach certain pitches. And so you would be you mean pitching it to the publicist? Yes. Okay. It's just really fun to hear journalists use the term pitch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And it always like just piques my interest because really we're doing similar things, right, Um, in certain ways. But I also wanted to know because in – so the title of the first article says Westworld composer Raman Jawadi on that epic Lana Del Rey cover in the season four premiere exclusive. 
Now, did the publicist, Peter, did he use that terminology in the pitch, exclusive? Yes. A, the, the exact phrasing here is an exclusive recurring interview series. And so and to be, and I'll be upfront about how I personally feel like the term exclusive gets used way too much and oftentimes in cases where things are not really exclusive. Like if I do an interview out of a press day, I don't consider that exclusive. Like if that if the other person I was talking to was just talking to ten other people, right? Um, so I'm very I'm very cautious about using that term. But because I because because it was a use it was used in the original pitch, and as far as I know, I was the only one doing an interview series like this. I think Raman did talk about. Uh, I think he did talk about the music of Westworld and other interviews, which was totally fine. But we did have like this. This was an actual exclusive exclusive, Deep which dive. is why I felt comfortable using that word. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. Cool. And does that catch your attention? Um, did he use it in the subject line, for example? He didn't use it in the subject line. Um, uh, but I mean, in general, I think the word exclusive does like. It does. It does work as a buzzword. It does get my attention, but I'm mm-hmm. also pretty careful about reading the fine print and making sure, like, what kind of exclusive are we talking about here? Because there's exclusive and there's right. exclusive. Yeah, totally. I mean, we've asked tons of people, journalists and reporters, and they've had different ways of describing it depending on yeah. what outlet they're at. You know, absolutely. And so, what did the subject line say, Liz? Can you share that with us? The exact it was uh, the composer's name, Consequence Interview Series. Consequence oh, I like that. Interview Series with the composer's name. Yes. With the co- cool. I love it because it's straightforward and it's short. And it gets to the point. Like, you yeah. know what you're going to open when you see that subject yeah. line. I do. I, I will say in general, like getting when, when, you know, even if it's even when it's a mail merge uh, miracle, uh, putting the outlet, <laughs> putting like putting an outlet name or putting like my name in the in the subject line, it does work. But yeah, I mean, especially especially because like there's pitches that try to pretend like they're offering you a nice exclusive little opportunity. But uh in, in the case of this one, it was actually a nice exclusive opportunity. Yeah, like super valuable too. Like you said, like it's not like a one-off. This is a whole series is like, <laughs> I don't know, eight articles long. It's pretty incredible. It's a nice value that they proposed to you, I think. Yeah. It's cool. No, it was, it was, it was, it was very valuable. And it was, it was something, it was something I hadn't done before, which was break. You know, I've done, I've done a lot of postmortems in my time, but I've never like, consistently talked with one person over the course of a season before and I've been doing this since 2014 so uh that was pretty fun do you know how many hours Raman spent um interviewing with you for this uh like I said like most of the interviews ended up being around 20 minutes so uh eight times almost 20. four hours yeah yeah oh, wow. okay or yeah yeah almost four hours a little under I guess that is right? a huge commitment then yeah yeah especially but when you're working really on well. two different shows yeah it did i will say about consequence um my husband got really excited that i was interviewing you Uh, he's not from yeah he really likes consequence of sound he's a total music nerd so i think i feel like consequence has like this like air of importance amongst people who are it feels higher brow than ew in my opinion Mm -hmm. so i don't know i think it's a good fit that's pretty cool Um, no i really appreciate that thank you uh yeah yeah it's uh yeah, I think like I mean, 
I wasn't, I, I've only been there about a year, a year and change now. Uh, mm-hmm. So before I started, they had uh, recently done the name switch to just be consequence. Yeah. I noticed uh, that. Yeah. It's, it's, I think it's, I think the, I believe the idea was just kind of a rebranding to be a little more broad in terms of its approach. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. But it's been, it's, it's, it's still, it's still really interesting when we can kind of find, find a way to bring together all the different audiences that come to the site. Yeah. And that like you were, it's kind of cool. Like, like you said, they are primarily known at least in the beginning to cover music heavily. And um, this is, this article series is a beautiful intersection of both like what you write about and also music. Yeah, Um, it was, it was great. Did you have to, so you, you're an editor there, right? Yes. Um, So did you, when it comes, when it came to like, you knew you wanted to do this article series, was there anyone you had to like pitch this to internally or were were you just set to go because you're the editor and you can do whatever you want? I mean, it's all, it's all (laughs) conversation. Uh, In in this case, like uh, the managing editor actually got the original email and she forwarded it on to me. So awesome. Oh, I love it when that happens. That's always a PR's dream is like, maybe you don't hear from the original, but like you can, you know, you get a forward and it works out. That's cool. Yeah. Well, Liz, I'm kind of throwing a curveball question and we don't, you don't have to go into details, but it's because since I didn't include it in the list, but I just thought of it because you mentioned um, the idea of um, being invited to like a press day interview. I've never had the opportunity to promote anything like this. (laughs) So I want to know just more about press day interviews. Do you, how do you pick and choose which ones you go to, for example, is one question that comes to my head. I mean, it's, you know, it's usually, it's usually project dependent, like it's project and talent, same way it is if you're considering okay. just a regular straight up interview, because it's really all press day means is that this is a, they've got, when, a, when you get an invite for a press day or a junket, it's basically just a, we can confirm that we are going to have these people together for potential conversations with journalists. Uh, are you interested? So it takes a little of the guesswork out of like when an interview would happen potentially and if some if a certain person would be involved. Like um, making up an example off the top of my head, uh, you know, if you've got a show with if you've got a show coming out with a whole bunch of big stars in it and you get if someone if someone has a, a show with a bunch of big stars coming out. Uh, and you get the press day invite, you can look at that, look at what the press day invite includes. It's like, oh, okay, that, so star X isn't going to be on the list, so I shouldn't bother pitching ideas for, I shouldn't bother pitching an interview with star X. Right, okay. So okay. it's just, it's, it's, it's just slightly formalizes the whole process of trying to get people to talk about their TV shows or films. Okay, and you're based in L.A., Yes. Do you get to actually go to these press days in person or are a lot of them virtual or it's still, it's, it, it's still largely virtual, um, okay. which is in, in its own way, like extremely convenient and not a huge, it's like, you know, if I have to choose between, if I have to choose between spending a Saturday in my apartment, you know, being hot, being hot and sweaty while waiting to interview you know, various, various member cast members from the Lord of the Rings, uh, series, Mm -hmm. uh, that does seem preferable than going to a hotel and maybe being in air conditioning, but still having to wait around and for, for your interviews. Like, 
it, it's I think like there I think what we've we've discovered coming out of the pandemic though the pandemic is not over yet um what we, what we discovered coming out of it is in person still has so much value and is still really it, it does make interviews better it just it just does mm-hmm. um with all that being said uh it, it's still like it's still like nice to have the option of virtual, especially for situations where you know you've got the the ex- it, it, it 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 evens the playing field for accessibility issues, whether it be someone who is legitimately disabled and cannot go to a fancy hotel for these interviews, or some you know situations where uh, you know people live not in Los Angeles or in New York. I've heard it happens mm-hmm. uh, that this that people do not do that. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, I guess I guess that's me. Yeah, no, I mean it's 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 it, it is you know we as as much as as much as you know it's as much as talking about how pa- the pandemic changed things is kind of a bummer. Uh, it is one of the big things that's changed as a result of it, and that people are just no longer necessarily located in LA or New York. And I think the virtual the virtual junket experience isn't. Is, is very different and has its pluses and minuses. It's a very, very long answer to your question, I guess. No, it's all really fascinating. I've and, not... and I think, I, but to go back, sorry, and you asked if it was, uh, you know, it, it does feel like it's still like here to stay on some level, but I do get to okay. go to the, I do get to go to the in-person stuff occasionally. And like I said, cool. it, the interviews are better that way. Um, yeah. But it is a different, but it is, there are different pluses and minuses to it. Yeah, definitely. I just wanted to ask one more question about the story before we move on to like housekeeping questions, Liz. Sure. So do you have or had you had worked with Peter before um, the series? Uh, I had worked with him a little bit because as I mentioned, I interviewed uh, Raman uh, previously uh, for for Consequence. So just like a few months uh, ago, okay. we, had, we had been coordinating. Uh, but I definitely got to know him a lot better over the course of doing the series. Like, you know, you're talking to someone once a week, every week for, uh, you know, eight weeks, you know, you start having, mm-hmm. you start, you, you, it certainly develops the bond a little more. So yeah, I, I, I hadn't worked with him a lot, but I, I definitely feel like, oh, he's a good, he's a, he's, he's a good, uh, PR pal, uh, yeah. at, at, afterwards. What makes you think that he's a good PR pal? Just, can you be a little a- more specific for our listeners? <laughs> I feel like at doing after doing this job for a while, what I've what I've I've really developed, I feel like strong like personal connections with a lot of PR people. Where you know we don't talk about a lot of personal stuff necessarily. It's you know it's always a professional relationship, but the bond is good. And you know there there's like I think everyone has you know, and I think it's same on the PR side of things too. Like we all have our you know we all have people we know at various outlets or various uh, mm-hmm. companies where it's like, Oh, I can just drop that. If I had like an off the record question, I just wanted to get my head on straight about something. I could drop them a line and they would talk to me. They would talk to me like a real person. Yes. Uh, I think that's kind of what it comes down to is like, I, there are PR people I have very long relationships, relationships with going back years uh, that I talk to semi-regularly and have a pretty formal connection with. And then there are people who, you know, I've seen at parties, I've had long off the record conversations with them. Uh, and, you know, it's been, and those are of course different levels of bonds. Like, and I think that's all this, it's all like, this is just like kind of the fundamental nature of networking 
and kind of the networking I prefer to do where you, where it's just, it's not about like meeting people and figuring out what they can do for you. It's about meeting people and getting to know them and building actual connections. Right. It sounds too like Peter is reliable and that's obviously, or anyone like that who's like a Peter, a PR pal is reliable. It sounds like, you know, that is appealing to you. I feel like that's pretty obvious, but just reiterating that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, just like kind of the base level, like going back to that idea of like, I can just send someone an off the record email, asking them a question, they'll get back to me honestly. Like knowing that they'll answer the email, like, you know, at this point, at this point, if, 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 if I, if there, if there, there are a couple of PR people I work with who don't answer my emails, if they don't have an answer and I'm used to it and it's fine, but it's also like, that's not someone I necessarily consider like a reliable contact. Right. Right. Yeah. Answer emails, people. It's not that hard. You could even just say, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I fully accept what I don't know over it, over silence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good tip. That is a good tip. Um, when when you're working with a publicist or a PR person, um, typically, what kind of assets are helpful to you, Liz? Uh, this is a good question. I mean, are you talking about inside the initial pitch? Yeah, in the initial pitch, we can start there. I like to keep it open because I don't want to put you know, words in people's mouths, but yeah, and the initial pitch and typically what kind of things do you request from them as you're working together? I mean, typically the situation, typically for what, for what I do, um, because we do occasionally do photo shoots. We do occasionally, you know, have specialized video or audio needs. Like it's good to know, good to reach out about those sorts of things. I think in general, on on the TV side of things, most of the most, if not all of the shows I cover, like are connected to networks with press sites. And those press sites are usually pretty comprehensive in terms of offering up, you know, the kind you know, assets in terms of videos and not not even really videos, just really photos. Photos are the biggest thing for me. And, you know, if I'm going to run an article, it has to have a photo attached to it. Um, So getting getting images from PR people is always very important but usually from the, the press in the film and TV worlds like we have press sites that cover a lot of our needs um when it comes to that basic need of I just need an image for the photo for, for the article um something that it, unfortunately the press site thing isn't as common in the film and TV in the uh outs in the film world versus the TV world, like all the networks, all TV networks at this point have some sort of press site. For, and uh, unfortunately on the film side of things, like, you know, most studios have some sort of solution for ha- distributing images, but it's not necessarily reliable. This is all my very long way of saying that if you have a Dropbox link or a box link or and even just a link to getting images or EPK to images from your film or TV show, especially your film, because again, film films are less reliably, uh, films less reliably come supplied with uh, images on press sites. Um, it's handy to have a ha- put that link in as many emails as possible about the project, like you know, if you're going to like include like, if you have like your standard boilerplate cast crew director sort of situation, 
uh, including a link with those images. Just every time you every time you can goes a long way. Just because you know, a lot of times what will happen is I will not open that link until like 20 minutes before embargo when I need to get an image for the review that's about to go live. But knowing it's there goes a long way. Oh, we had a, um, enter- we've, we've entertained, we've entertained. Well, hopefully we entertained him. Um, we <laughs> interviewed an entertainment weekly writer, um, who said that they, a similar thing that imagery is very important. Um, something that he alluded to was the idea of exclusivity within the images. Uh, I know that his beat was a little different. Um, he would do more like profiles on specific, like, I forget, like actors or something. Yeah. He really liked exclusive imagery. <laughs> do you like exclusive? Yeah, RuPaul. Like, yeah. <laughs> it would. Do you like exclusive imagery? Does that appeal to you or does it matter to you as much? It, it matters. I mean, it's nice. It's nice to have, but I think like uh, it's something I haven't. I haven't had much uh, cause to deal with, really. Like, I think okay. like for it, it, it's honestly, I feel like at a certain level, sometimes sometimes it feels like uh, sometimes it feels like the PR people, like PR people, will offer up like a you know a publicity photo of the of the talent or a portrait that the talent wants to include with the article and it starts at some sometimes it can get a little pushy honestly mm. like uh, okay uh especially like especially if you know you're trying to if you're writing about someone who just played like i don't know a a war refugee and the pr people are really insisting no you've got to use this beauty shot in the article yeah. as well um, I don't like that. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it, it's not like, it's not something I've had a ton of experience with, and it's not a huge deal. Like, it, I think like I definitely see the value of doing exclusive images, uh, and you know, for cover stories, I do think it's like essential. Like, I wouldn't want us to run a cover story with anything other than like our own artwork. Okay, cool. That's that that's really helpful. Yeah, yeah. But I think like for for like a standard interview, I personally, you know. I, I'm usually, usually people are just, it, it, usually everything I do is project focused. So as a result, like, you know, we want to, we want to spotlight the project. Okay. So we're kind of in the housekeeping question world now. Cool. So I'm pivoting again. Sure. Um, I want to know, Liz, how, like, is your inbox just constantly bombarded with really cool shit? <laughs> I wish I could say it's really cool shit. Uh, I, I haven't, <laughs> that's I, what I envision. <laughs> I, I mean, that's the dream. Like, there's usually like a good chunk of the morning is just spent like clearing out the things that are vaguely interesting, but I'm not going to do work deal with the things that are good to know, but I'm not going to. It's not like something I need to put top of line. I, I mean, I get a fair amount. I get a fair number of pitches. I probably get as you know more than some, less than others. Uh, mm-hmm. especially because like my email address is on a bunch of different distribution lists sometimes it's on sometimes i have multiple email addresses getting multiple versions of the same pitch which is not does that bother you no okay honestly i i i like having a lot of stuff i have a lot of stuff that goes to my personal personal email address just because uh you know i've been i've changed job if you change jobs once in this industry I think you develop a immediate instinct that, you know, if whenever possible, everything should just go to the same email address, even if it's your personal address. This, this is my personal take. Like, I don't, I use my personal email for work stuff all the time just because 
I, especially after I was freelancing for a year uh, at one point recently, uh, you know, I just got used to everything going there. And it's, it's a lot easier to just kind of archive the second email than it is to try to negotiate with, try to get your, try to like make a PR company change its email, your email at their files. That makes sense. You are the odd person out in that opinion though. So many folks have said, please don't email me at my personal. I mean, I <laughs> but... think like the thing is like, I, I, it, it only happens because I give out my personal email for these things. Like, and right. I definitely agree. Like if someone has given you their professional email, it should go to my professional email. I definitely prefer like if you're reaching, if if you're reaching out to me with a pitch for consequence and mm-hmm. you can figure out what my consequence email is, don't also email my personal email. Like, cause then that gets annoying. Good advice. Some people might've just listened to what you said and have done, could have done that. So yeah. I think you've saved yourself some emails to your personal. I, I appreciate it. I think the thing is like, I think, I think there's sometimes like games that are being played where it's like, I just want to make sure you read my email and mm-hmm. I, I am not going to speak for everyone, but I'm going to say I read every email I get sent, maybe to, not to I at least read the subject line. I at least like look at the contents to make sure I'm not missing anything. Right. So when PR people approach my inbox like it's a game they have to solve or, <laughs> or, or like a, ga- a game they're playing and they're like trying mm. to end up doing the thing I'm already kind of committing to doing by looking at my inbox, like that oh, gets boy. frustrating. Um, yeah. So like, and that, and that includes things like doubling up on my email address. Like, you know, I, I know everyone's busy and I know every things, things do slip through the cracks. I'm not going to say I'm perfect, but I will say that, you know, I, 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 I pay attention to when I get email and like, it's a big part of my job. That's a good, good reminder of that. I think I remember, so I've been doing this and Brit as well for like over 10 years now and. I think there is this tendency to want to like gamify it a little bit on days that you're feeling a little desperate, maybe. Um, Definitely when I was younger and I felt like, oh my God, if I don't get like a response from somebody, I'm going to get fired or something like that. But I think it's a good reminder to not, to not do that. Don't play games. Like we don't need to, these are real people that we're emailing and maybe, you know, right time, right place you obviously read emails and maybe we as publicists could look at what we're pitching, make sure it's good, you know, like figure out it's not just because we haven't emailed you five times. Something that I've kind of noticed based off of how you've talked about um, even just pitching publicist story ideas as well. And, um, the fact that you make an effort to respond to emails, even if it's a hard no, it sounds like to me something that I'm coming away from this conversation of is that it seems like the PR relationship for you is very important as well. It seems like you make a conscious effort to preserve them on your end. It's not, it doesn't feel like a one-sided relationship um, when it comes to working with you as a publicist. Would you agree with that? I mean, I try to like, I mean, I think at the end of the day, we're all human and I try not to lose sight of that. I also, uh, you know, I also feel like I get more out of this job in general where, when I feel like I'm building relationships and making good connections, like it's, you know, not a universal thing. And like, there are definitely times when, you know, I 
will have I, I struggle to remember a PR rep's name in it when I meet them in person or that sort yeah. of situation, like which I always feel really bad about. Um, but yeah, I think like in general, you know, it's you know good. I, I've 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 never I've never had like bad things come out of trying to be nice to PR people, like. <laughs> With the exception, <laughs> with the exception of occasionally like having to having to deal with people trying to turn no's into yeses, like, yeah, you know, by and large, you know, I know every everyone has a job they're doing, and you know, I respect the fact that people's jobs on the job the job on the other side of it is is hard. I mean, arguably even harder. Like I've gotten a, every once in a while, you get a taste of what. PR people are keeping from journalists just like in terms oh. of a general like life work situation and it's like no I don't I don't want to deal with celebrities yelling at me like <laughs> I barely want to deal I barely want to deal with anyone yelling at me but certainly not like you know people that are well known yelling at yeah you. <laughs> I mean and especially because like I from again from like just the glimmers and the gossip I've gotten like it's just like it, you can it, there's a, I feel like there's a, there's like a lot of PR people are just kind of like the one line of defense and making sure that people don't understand what assholes work in this industry sometimes. Yeah, I bet. Uh, like, oh, there's a I lot think, of damage control in, in entertainment PR. Yeah. And I think like, <laughs> and just a lot of just like per, per keeping certain personalities from really coming out. Like it's just, For sure. we, 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 we get tastes of it on, on the journalist side of things, but the, the reality is I'm sure exists on the other side of the fence is horrifying. Well, I guess I had one more question. Now I have two more questions. Sure. Uh, First one being related to that. So um, something that's kind of come up in a couple interviews and we've gotten mixed answers about is publicists sitting in on interviews. Do you deal with that in your industry? Like a publicist kind of being a silent third party kind of like monitoring the interview at all? Or is that, does that not really happen? That happens actually a fair amount. Like, honestly, I think like, I would say I would probably estimate at least 75% of the interviews I do uh, have, have, have a PR rep hanging in the background. Uh, I think, okay. um, I think it's just kind of, I think it naturally is kind of an extension of uh, how these interviews get set up a lot of, like, I'm not call I very rarely call anyone directly. Um, I have maybe three famous people's phone numbers saved in my phone. Uh, Nice. not because I need to text them anything later, just because I thought, you know, it's like I had to, I, I got to call them directly. Yeah. Uh, and it was exciting. Um, <laughs> that was exciting. It's, uh, or they called me directly. Either way, it was cool. Uh, the point, but like, uh, yeah, but by, but by and large, usually because all my, my interviews go through a third party, they're usually, you know, the third party usually sticks around. And yep. By and large, on my in my experience, I have it hasn't been too much of an issue. Usually, usually we're not talking about anything super sensitive, uh, which mm-hmm. goes a long way with that. Sometimes, you know, sometimes there will be spoiler stuff that the PR rep is there to flag, or you know, I'll ask a question. It's like I'll ask a question about like a release date, and then the PR rep will be will step in. It's not like my favorite thing. Like I, you know. The whole point of doing an interview is to kind of get someone's story. And, you know, I'm, I'm very, at this point, very, very 
aware of the fact that there's usually a third party listening in, but I try to, but for the sake of the conversation, I try to forget that aspect. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when, when PR reps do step in, it's usually, it is always, it is always a bit of like a, a breaking of the fourth wall, not breaking of the first wall, but breaking of that illusion. Yeah. Um, But it's also like, you know, it's this, you know, it also like that illusion of having like an intimate conversation with a famous person, like, you know, it is an illusion. Like, you know, this is a, it, it, they, they, the PR, the, the famous person in question is doing their job just like I'm doing mine. And the PR yeah. person is doing their job just like I'm doing mine and the P- famous person is doing theirs. That's really interesting. That's so insightful because A, we've never been, neither Brit nor I have really pitched in this industry, the entertainment industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just reminds us, um, I don't want to speak for you, Britt, but I imagine you're thinking along the same lines that I am. Is this how like broad this whole industry is in terms of PR, media relations, journalism? Mm-hmm. Uh, it can look so vastly different. I worked with a publicist who, that was her norm was to sit in on interviews. And I just found it so odd. Um, And I've talked to other journalists more in the space that I've worked with, which was more personal finance, like uh, business publications, who also found it very weird. And then it's cool to listen to, uh, find a journalist that it's not weird and it's Mm -hmm. actually quite normalized. So I think it's kind of sparking my interest, but I want to get an entertainment publicist on here because I think it's a whole other world we could explore. Maybe learn something and maybe borrow some ideas from. I don't want to sit in on an interview. I don't think it's for my purposes, it's worth it, but there might be some other tactics or strategies they implement that might be inspirational for other modes of pitching. I don't know. That's super cool. I mean, it's it's a fascinating question just because I think like, you know, I I don't know how much the PR person in question actually listens to the interview. Like I I usually, usually they say sleep. Yeah. Or just like they're (laughs) doing, it's like, I, I, you know, having done (laughs) interviews at junkets, like, I'll know yeah. that, you know, you'll see like the PR person sitting in the corner while I'm talking to the, talking to the talent and, you know, they're on their phone. Like they're not like hanging on my every word. There's kind of, I, maybe it's just the illusion that they're not really paying attention, but uh, you know, I, I, I'm sure they're like monitoring it vaguely. Like, but at the same time, like, you know, if I was, if I was like a, a, a if I was a FAMO and I was doing interviews, like I'm, having a lovely conversation with you guys right now. Uh, but thank you. I can, I, 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 if you asked me, if you ask me afterwards, what did you talk about with them? I might be able to talk, say some broad stroke stuff, but I don't, I'm not going to remember every single word and every single turn of phrase. And so having someone whose job it is to sit, to sit on the call and make sure I'm not saying anything that will thoroughly embarrass me later <laughs> uh, would, would, wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. I mean, here, here's an example. I'll give you an example. Um, early in the pandemic, I was doing, was it early? I'm trying to remember exactly when it was. Uh, earlier. It was earlier, certainly. Uh, it, was, it was early enough where production was starting back up and new shows were getting underway, but the masking, but masking was still very much a requirement. And uh, I was interviewing someone and he was talking about how he had moved from one project to another and the previous project, the first project he'd been on was a show he'd done multiple seasons of. And so he knew all the crew, even though they were wearing masks. But then he moved to this new project and he didn't recognize any of the crew. 
he didn't know any of the crew pre- beforehand and also they were all wearing masks and he found it to be a really you know strange experience and nothing ha- nothing was said during the interview about it but then afterward after the interview i got a call uh from the person's pr rep saying hey could you cut that part out like we don't want we don't want this we don't want this actor on the record saying mm-hmm. uh that he thought he didn't like the fact that his crew was wearing masks yeah. and oh uh, yeah <laughs> that's fair oh my god yeah and i and i i ended up doing it just because uh it didn't honestly it, it it was one of those like situations where it's like i was not under any obligation to cut it uh but i did yeah. it, it did and ultimately not make sense for the piece i was working mm-hmm. on like yeah. because it wasn't it wasn't essential uh and it wasn't all, I also i also understood the point and there's a lot of nuance to that to what he was saying that would have been lost in a headline um, yeah but so but like you know that that's an example of, of reason why i understand why pr people hover on these calls yeah the more high profile you are maybe the more likely um but, a I mean, PR rep is going to be there I mean, it's like, but sometimes there's nothing you can do. Like you get Gwen Stefani saying repeatedly oh, yeah. she feels Japanese and like yeah. Yeah, PR people were involved horrific. with that, but that still made it to print. Jeez. Yeah. That blows my mind. Oh God. That was, that was so crazy. That was wild. Um, well, we could, Liz, I could just keep talking because this is so fascinating. Thank you sure. so much for sharing all these stories with us and examples too, because it helps us better imagine and understand to the world that you play in so thank sure. you so much no it's yeah. fun i i it, like I, I i as i mentioned when, when we started i have lots of opinions about this <laughs> well speaking of that are there any final tips that you want to leave with our listeners when it comes to pitching or your pet peeves even or just a shout out i think it's just like you know it's i know so many of these pitch so many pitches go out and they're a numbers game like it's you know just trying, you know, your a PR person's job is trying to get actual responses from journalists, people getting people actually to care. I feel like, and so I know, I know like a lot of it's just like emailing hundreds of people at a time and hoping that five of them respond. Uh, and I, but I feel like even with that, like the more opportunities you can to like tailor pitches and really, and not just, and not just assume like someone someone likes this show, so they'll. Well, I mean, okay, that actually isn't true because sometimes I will like a show, and if if it, it yeah, I, I'm not, I won't be shy about it. And yeah, if you pitch me something related to it, I will at least open that email. Um, but like, you know, tail, tailoring pitches that go beyond a level of just like, oh, this website also covers music. They should definitely do all the composer interviews. Like, you know. you know think looking looking at our previous coverage and seeing what we have done that seems to have performed well like or things that we've we have gone back to revisit like those things those are all start smart strategies they're not a guaranteed yes but i think like that versus you know sending out like this goes going back to the whole liz shannon thing one of the other things about the liz shannon thing uh is that when I get a pitch addressed to Liz Shannon, I know it come. I know I'm being ma- emailed off a mailing list, uh, and because I a lot of mailing lists have me down as Liz Shannon Miller. Makes so, sense. Yeah. So uh, guess what? I oftentimes don't respond to those because I know that you are emailing not just me but a, a thousand other people. Um, 
so but if 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 a pitch is like addressed to Liz specifically, like that makes sense. And I've now released that information and uh, PR people will use it however they choose. But I mean, if they're paying attention enough to listen to this podcast and get my name right, then hey, that's a bonus for me. Um, <laughs> so and yeah, for us, like, we hope that people are listening to this right now. <laughs> I mean, it's, I mean it, the thing is, like, I I try not to get too offended by any of this stuff. Like, you know, it's it, you know, if you get my name wrong, it's an it's 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 annoying to some degree, but I don't care really. Like, it's not going to affect. It's my nothing day. personal, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I think it, I think it's, it 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 goes back to the. I feel like I feel like the. I feel like the most one of the most important stories of modern of modern times is the brown M and M story, um, which is I believe it's Van Halen. I, I should actually know this, so I'm going to call it one of the most important stories of the modern times. Uh, but uh, but the brown M and M story is like I'm going to actually look this up now. I want to make sure I get this right. Van Halen brown M and M's. There we go. Yes, it was Van Halen. But anyway, Van Halen had, is famous for having required that a bowl of brown M&Ms behind, as part of their writer in their contracts. And the reason for the brown M&Ms, um, whether this is apocryphal or not, or actually true, is that it was a test because Van Halen is a big, big ass rock band with a very complicated, you know, with a very complicated technical show. So, which involves things like electricity and lighting and things that could, you know, kill a man if it was mishandled. So by, they put the writer, they put in their writer that they wanted to have brown M&Ms backstage, just brown M&Ms, no other color, because if the, they showed up at the, if they showed up at the venue and there were, the M&Ms were mixed up. That meant that someone didn't read the writer properly, which meant every oh, other man. technical aspect of the show <laughs> needed to be double checked. Like, because if they couldn't get the if they couldn't get the brown M and M's right, what else did they fuck up? Sorry, yeah, for, sorry for the swear. And, oh, we like swearing here. It's um, totally fucking oh, fine. By the way, okay, excellent. Also, by the way, I got it backwards. <laughs> the brown M and M's were the brown M and M's were meant to be removed from the from the M and M's. So. It wasn't exclusively brown M and M's. You had to get they they wanted no brown M and M's in their uh, bowls. And saying M and M's over and over again is really hard. It turns out. Um, so, anyways, <laughs> uh, the this is all by way of saying, you know, when a PR person can't get your name right in the pitch, it's a brown M and M situation. What else are they going to mess up? Um, and I think it's like, it's, it's the, it's the strongest argument for being as professional and, you know, detail oriented as possible. It's because it's like, you know, if I can't properly spell my way through a pitch to you, how do you have any faith that I'm going to write a coherent article about your client? You yeah. know, yeah. I mean, these are, it's I love like that example. Yeah. I mean, I think so. I think like going back, you know, just paying attention to the brown M&Ms, like in, in everything you do in life, just in, in general, like goes a long way uh and you know because it may because you know sometimes 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 it's just a brown m&m and sometimes it's a big much bigger thing man life is just a box of chocolates <laughs> <laughs> anytime we get to talk about candy and chocolate i'm here for it <laughs> that I'm was really hungry. cool did you yeah. like did you plan that metaphor liz because no. i'm impressed <laughs> no i'm just no i'm just always thinking about brown i'm just always thinking about the brown m&ms i don't know i love it no, that's a good, that's good. I, that's good, like, 
PR 101 stuff that mm-hmm. we forget, but it's, um, okay, really quick. I know I, we can probably chat for hours if we wanted to, but I remember we, uh, starting, um, PR school or whatever at college, I guess. Starting my major in college, but doing the core work for PR, there was a class where um, I I don't even, it might have been a journalism class because, you know, it's like the same major. It was MassCom 101 or something. And I remember we had writing assignments every week or every day and we had to turn them in. And if we got one thing wrong, we would get a significant number of points off. And when I mean one thing wrong, it would be like grammatically incorrect things or whatever it would be the smallest thing you know we had to follow like ap style and i remember just thinking it was bullshit because you know every week i would expect to get marks off and i consider myself a good student um but years later i realized that that kind of uh, that training was literally to prepare us for the real world when something like those little brown m&ms you know paying attention to those details because that's really what both journalism and publicity pr um require is having that Does yeah that make sense? yeah of course yeah i mean exactly like that's exactly what i'm talking about like there's another there's a quote from uh the west wing where you know you know they're talking you know i think i forget the exact context but it's something leo says about you know we play with live ammo around here like you know mm-hmm. once you're out of college once you're actually doing the job like you know it's real. Like, you know, even no matter, you you could write for a small outlet, but if you miss, you screw up a big story, like, you know, that's, you're still, that's, that's going to attract attention. Like, you know, the, the stuff we're doing is fun, but it, it still like matters. And there's still a lot of opportunity for error and those errors can affect people and affect their lives negatively or positively. Liz, you have a wonderful shout out prepared. I just wanted to say, um, I've been working, you know, I've been, I've been covering TV, uh, since 2014. And in that time, uh, you know, all, all, a lot of studio publicists are great. I've worked with a lot of wonderful ones over the years. Uh, but consistently the team at FX networks has been, is, 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 is I'm, I don't, I don't think I'm the only one to say that they're one of my favorites, favorite teams in all of entertainment. Like they are consistent, they are fast, they are very they're very reliable in terms of getting assets and screeners when you need them or at least usually providing straight answers when they're not available and they often oftentimes come up with great great ideas that are outlet specific they and it you know you know the core team has been there for many years led by john salzberg who's you know just an icon in this industry and uh you, you know so there are a lot of people I've been working with there for years, but even when they bring a new person into the fold, they usually, that new person usually ends up operating at the same level. Like it's, so it's always been really, I, I, I just, you know, everyone is my favorite, but, uh, across entertainment, but the FX team really is special. If only because they include animated gifts in a lot of their releases and uh, e- uh, emails to publish, uh, not not emails to publicists, emails to journalists. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of We Earn Media. 
If you head over to weearnmedia.com, you'll find a summary of the episode along with links to any of the resources and more information about our lovely guest and where you can find them online. If you have any topic suggestions or just general PR questions for us or future guests, email us at podcast at weearnmedia.com. Of course, you can also find us on social media. Our handle is at weearnmedia and we're on Twitter and Instagram.